With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg. It's the Football Film Room Podcast. Hello and welcome inside the football film room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It is Election Tuesday, so rather than do our normal 7 p.m. Eastern time time slot, we decided to come on a little earlier for you guys, and that's where we are here live uh, around 3 o'clock Eastern time, 2 Central on Twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football, talking all things college and the NFL on this important day in our country, Chris. So uh, I guess let's break out the electoral map and start going through the states. Yeah, I guess so. I'm uh, sitting there looking as I peek over to my uh, monitors. As um, uh, you know, it's it's got a lot of uh, <laughs> it's it's got a lot of uh, election result stuff. Which obviously it's a little early for that as we speak. To it. yeah, it's a uh, it's, yeah, it's a big day. Yeah, and I'm curious to see how this plays out. Uh, but I uh, hope everybody had a, a chance to get out there and vote. Still time, so get yes. out there and vote if you hadn't uh, done it yet. Still plenty of time, and uh, we won't ask you to vote for a college football rankings just yet. We're still several weeks away, and we know that's going to get all complicated because there are going to be teams that have less games and canceled games, and uh, Wisconsin's not going to play once again. And, and, and I think it's worth mentioning, Chris, that if they have another game canceled, they will be ineligible for the Big Ten title game. Yeah, you know, and and I really their season at Wisconsin's pretty much done. I mean, it's just uh, it just been hit hard, and um, you know, you hope that they don't have another game canceled, but it's uh, it's not looking good for them. And certainly, even in their position, if they're able to play the rest of their games, the chances to really, you know. Um, kind of show what it is they can do. I think it's, you know, not that they were going to be a national playoff caliber team, but I think this takes any chance of, mm-hmm. of being in that conversation out of it. Through no fault of their own, it's just we knew this is a possibility of happening, and it certainly is. Yeah, and uh, we knew that there were going to be some key players that are going to be out due to COVID, and the biggest one, perhaps, uh, this past weekend, Trevor Lawrence did not play for Clemson in a game against Boston College, which we talked about last Tuesday before the news that Trevor Lawrence was going to be out. And we talked about that one not being a cakewalk for the Tigers because of how much improved on offense Boston College was. It was a sneaky spot for them looking ahead to the Notre Dame game and having to play with DJ Uagalele at quarterback rather than Trevor Lawrence. It, it, 
it had its its issues, but Clemson is, you know, talented as they are, they come back from double digits down and they they escape with a victory over BC. Yeah, you nailed that one last week, you know, uh, that uh, BC was was somebody that you were in on all along as uh, folks before the even the Trevor Lawrence uh, situation was announced, as Scott just mentioned. Um, and, you know, the, the one thing, and you were actually the one that kind of alerted me that, uh, um, you know, that when the rumors started to come out that, that there's possibility that Trevor had tested positive, he did, and the one thing I thought of, because it was later in the week, was like, okay, start doing the math, 10 days, probably not going to, if he's, if it is true, which it turned out to be, probably means that the Notre Dame game is out. I mean, it's just yeah. the only thing would have been <clears throat> if it was a false positive, like the, the Saban situation, that would have been the only thing that would have saved it. But once he tests positive and he said he had some mild symptoms, I knew that was it. He, he wasn't going to be there for the Notre Dame game, which makes this intriguing. And, Scott, I I wonder, and I think that it's not so much, and it's it's probably fair to bring out that if, they're, if they were to lose to Notre Dame, mm-hmm. that they probably are in Clemson still in really good shape um, in terms of the playoffs because I think that people will look at that and say, without Trevor Lawrence, because there's maybe a chance that Clemson would get a chance to play him again. Mm-hmm. And if they played him again and beat him, I think that would completely eradicate that. I, I, I guess what I'm saying, I think this will give Clemson a little coverage to where if they were to lose, they would still be uh, in, in a good playoff shape. But I, I'm not I'm not saying that they will or they won't, but this certainly brings a lot of intrigue into this game in my mind. This Notre Dame team is pretty good. I didn't think they had much of a chance at all to beat Clemson uh, with Trevor Lawrence, but certainly would give them a shot now. I certainly um, – I thought DJ played well, all things considered, but they're not the same. And you know, this this could get real interesting. Well, you mentioned the possibility of Clemson losing and still making the playoffs. That's certainly out there, especially because we're struggling right now to find the fourth team to get into the college football playoff or a fourth slot, I should say, if we're going to give an undefeated Notre Dame slash Clemson that that one slot. So that we're we're struggling to find a fourth slot, and we're assuming, you know, Ohio State, you know, SEC champ, and then undefeated Clemson or Notre Dame as as the three out of the four. Uh, you mentioned DJ playing well. We know the kid's got a big arm. He's not a scrambler per se, but he can make plays because of his size, which separates him from some of the other guys. And this is a big guy. He's kind of, you know, kind of like that Ben Roethlisberger type mold, that big Ben uh, type frame. You know, maybe when Ben was was at Ohio, not maybe Ben in the NFL, who's gained a couple more pounds. But uh, he is a big boy. What did you see from him in that Boston College game, knowing that he probably only got two full practices, if that, before the game? What did you see that you could take away now and have some confidence going into the Notre Dame game? Well, I think the thing that they've got is the play around them. I think Travis Atien, both as a leader and both as ability to be able to work the ball down the field, um, in the run game and in the short pass game, which is an extension of the run, certainly his ability to throw it. I mean, this he's more of a thrower than a passer mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, he's got a gun for an arm, so there's not any part of the field where he can't throw it. 
Can he throw it accurately? Can he protect the football? That would be my concern and why I think this has a chance to be a little bit more interesting than, say, if if, if it were, uh, you know, uh, the, if Trevor was in the game. I, I think this kind of knocks it down the peg because I don't think the passing game is going to be quite as polished. And I think that Notre Dame, um, a good line of scrimmage team, you know, might be able to force the ball to where, you know, it can be a little little inaccurate and, and give give them a chance to get off the field. But I think the kid's a is a talented young prospect that can be a really good player and will be a really good player for Clemson as time progresses. But I don't think you get the accuracy, the experience, the decision making. And you're right that you don't he hadn't had a lot of practice, so he'll get a full week's of practice. So he'll be able to absorb the game plan a little bit better. I think they'll have a really good one for him. I think it's basically going to be up to Clemson's play around him, the defense, the run game to kind of pick it up. And I think if Clemson's able to run the football, then you have opportunities to to have a little bit more spacing and coverage. And then I think you're off and running there. So, uh, but I don't think you get the complete passing game with him that you would with Trevor Lawrence. No, of course not. I I do give Clemson a nod in this game because I don't think Notre Dame's offense can exploit Clemson down the field the way that Boston College did. Right. Uh, There's no disrespect to Ian Book, who's a tremendous quarterback. I I just felt that that – and it's ironic because Jakovic was Ian Book's backup before he decided to transfer from Notre Dame. But I just felt that his throwing ability combined with the offensive style of Boston College maybe forced the issue down the field and gave Clemson a little fits in the secondary, especially early on. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame is that type of team. Notre Dame's going to run the ball well. They're going to try and control the ball, uh, can try and control possession. Uh, especially at home, you know, with, with limited fans as is, but they're going to try and, you know, take away some momentum from Clemson. And I think Clemson's defense can play with Notre Dame's offense that way. Yeah, look, I think Notre Dame is um, a little poor man's Georgia. I mean, if you will, I think that they play a similar uh, style. I don't think they're as talented as Georgia defensively, but they're good defensively. They've got a really good run block and offensive line. And I agree. I think that there's there's limitations to Notre Dame's offense and their ability to stretch the field. And can they get enough points? You know, I think the real thing, though, is to kind of put this game in perspective. It's not what DJ can do for Clemson, but the avoiding of mistakes, the, the mm-hmm. lack of negative plays, because that's where the yeah. game changes. That's where all of a sudden Notre Dame – gets a short feel and they're able to score some points. And then you become a little bit out of sorts with your offense, trying to, to match points where it's pass first. That's what Clemson wants to avoid. And that's what Notre Dame wants to kind of force is the mistakes. And those things are really important. I think we saw that and I don't, I don't, I don't want to compare the players, but mm-hmm. let's just take, for example, LSU in Michigan, who played two big physical young quarterbacks two weeks ago that everyone was overly excited about, and they were capable of making plays. But but with lesser teams, man, they started to make mistakes and created negative plays, and then all of a sudden you saw 
you know, well, a blowout mm-hmm. with Auburn beating LSU and a shocking blowout by Michigan State beating Michigan. Now, yeah. I don't think this is going to be quite the same. And I, I don't mean to make the comparison to say I think the results are going to be the same. Clemson's a better team, can play better around them. But it's an indication that if you don't protect the football, what can happen? And that I always say uh, the quarterback position, first and foremost, it's about the plays you don't make or yeah. the plays you do make. Uh, the other big game of the week is obviously Georgia against Florida. Georgia escaped against Kentucky in what really wasn't a highlight film filled game uh kind of boring if you will and, and florida well they, they had an incident in which uh, two players will be suspended for the first half because of that brawl there um dan moen obviously punished but we were interested to see how they would come out of their covid delay and i actually thought you know we know their offense we know what they're capable of i actually thought defensively they looked decent and and maybe you know todd grantham took some time during that off period and maybe corrected some things because they actually, I think, look as good as they've looked all season this past week against Missouri. They did. In fact, kind of the – I thought the, the storyline because of the off the field, the fight, and the yeah. Dan Mullen, you know, kind of the histrionics on the field kind of took away from what I thought was a good defensive effort. It was they got off blocks better, and I thought they did a really good job against – a Missouri offense that can cause a lot of problems. So, you know, it, it, what does it really mean? What, what, what are they going to be able to do? This is going to be quite the challenge against um, uh, a Georgia offensive front that can run the football um, in, in, in certainly being able to defend them is a different look. But, you know, certainly if they're able to build off of that, they've got a real shot here. Um, they've not fared well against Georgia. But the offense – looked sluggish for a quarter or so, but really kicked it in high gear. And, man, Kadarius Tony in a, in a year where there have been <laughs> running backs galore in this conference in the SEC that's just played well. Nobody played a better ball game at running back this year than Kadarius Tony, And um, that makes this game a lot of fun because it's, you know, can Florida build off that defensive effort? And then on the other side, Georgia – did not open up anything, did not fry anything, did not need to do anything against <laughs> Kentucky, but they're going to need to score some points. You can play good defense against Florida and still give up 24 points. So can you find a way to score 27, maybe or more, to beat Florida? That's going to be the key. And um, I, I think this is this is the exciting a Georgia-Florida game in some time because – I think in the past couple of years, while it was deemed exciting from an outside standpoint, from a football standpoint, it was clearly, you know, a Georgia, a a definitive advantage. Georgia still may have more overall talent, but certainly their lack of explosiveness in the passing game is hurting Mm -hmm. them. And if Georgia doesn't find a way to have success in the passing game, it's going to be their undoing here in this game. So I think the game is going to come down to how well they're able to play. And it's going to be a lot of fun. This uh, And it's going to be for the East. It's going to mm-hmm. keep one of those teams in the national playoff hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to definitely eliminate one of those teams. 
Um, the bad news is, you know, obviously if you win this game, you still got to, you know, surge on and find a way to beat Alabama, which is going to be no easy tale at the end of the year. But um, certainly I think it's kind of a, an elimination type of game. It has a playoff feel to it. Yeah. Is the loser of this game is going to have two losses and, in my opinion, are going to be out of it because I don't see either, either one of these teams beating Alabama. So I think that uh, the loser of this game is, you know, is, is out of it. Yeah, a hundred percent. We have a group. Speaking of elimination games, you got a group of five elimination game on Friday night. BYU against Boise State. Uh, the loser will be out of contention for a New Year's Six game as the group of five champion, uh, for lack of a better term. The winner will have a leg up. Um, BYU is currently seven and zero. Boise State obviously just started their season. They're two and zero. But Chris, this Cincinnati team. I talked about them last week. I was on them last week uh, and in their game against Memphis. They're the most complete group of five team because I think they're better defensively than BYU. And they were impressive last week. They got a tough game against Houston this game. But there's a lot to like with this Cincinnati team, Chris. A lot to like with them. Oh, listen, I think that they – and let's remind folks, though, BYU – is not in the group of five conversation. Yes. That, okay. They are so they are they don't get that. Well, they get that automatic berth if no, they the, win. The, they, the they, committee they, will vote them. They, the committee will have to vote them in. Which though, still they're a very solid team. I do like BYU in Cincinnati, and I tend to kind of do like you do. I tend to look at them as those are the two best teams that are not among the power. Five. I, I don't look at BYU because they're an independent. Uh-huh. I, I don't look at them as a power five and I look at them more as a group of five. And I think, I think most people do as well. Those are the two best teams. We know Boise's got a good team. Um, this is going to be quite the challenge. BYU doesn't have a lot of challenges on their schedule. Um, you know, Cincinnati's got e- even more challenges, but this is going to be a lot of fun. I agree with you. This is, Definitely a fun one on Friday night to watch. And I'm curious to see. I like the way BYU's playing on the offensive line. I like the way Zach Wilson was playing. I like the receiving core. I like the run game. I think the defense is solid. I think speed teams could give them trouble. But, you know, I, I still think their chances are pretty good. Handling this moment on the road is going to be the challenge. I'm with you on Cincinnati. Look, I was was thinking about it, was making some notes today, that you definitely, although – I don't think they're going to get there. I don't think their schedule is going to allow them. But the reality is they deserve to be, I don't know what kind of list you put them, but on my list when I grade teams, I look at them and I would put them at the bottom of the list, but I would put them on the list of teams that who the hell's the fourth team? You know I mean? I, you yeah. know, put in there. They deserve to be on that list. I don't think they're going to, like I said, I think they're the bottom of the list, but I mm-hmm. think they're pretty good. In other words, I think they could match up with some teams pretty effectively. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I think they could play with Notre Dame, probably wouldn't win. They wouldn't beat Georgia. Um, you know, I don't think they'd be at AM right now. I don't think they'd beat Florida. But, but I think that it's fair to put them in that cluster, in that group, in kind of that great area that plateau, but kind of in the bottom of it. The one thing I do think is, uh, and I think it's going to be the Central Florida game. Central Florida scoring points on anybody. That's going to be a lot of fun. Right now, Cincinnati's just playing against themselves. They're just playing against, you know, an opportunity, 
um, to not have any letdown. They're the big dog that everybody's going to come after in the in that conference. Uh, but they're a really good team. I think Luke's done an outstanding job, and, and I agree with you. They're the most complete G5 team. I mean, they play pretty solid on defense, um, but they're really good on offense. The quarterback's outstanding. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he is an outstanding dual-threat quarterback that's a big-time playmaker. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see. I thought they did a really good job. They dominated, and that's not easy. The, the fact that they were able to completely cut off Memphis at the legs, and that's a pretty good Memphis offense, impressed me. You know, I, I, I wish I had a, a, like a bigger national platform. And listen, Twitch is great, and I love you guys that watch us on Twitch and that listen to us on the podcast as well. But I heard Feinbaum suggest it, and it's something that I had suggested before, but he's going to get credit for it because he's got the platform. Luke Fickle to replace Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. I think that I think that's a phone call that should be made because I don't think Harbaugh is going to be done at the end of this year. Uh, and I think that's a phone call that absolutely should be made. Luke Fickle is we, he's not a rising star. He is a star in this business. I know he just got the contract extension, but if you're Michigan, you want to make a splash. That's the guy you bring in. Uh, what about Matt Campbell? I think Matt Campbell would be a really good fit. Yeah. There. Um, I don't hate that. I, 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 I uh, the thing about it is, there is no appetite amongst the Michigan administration to make a move. Um, but I got to tell you, Scott, losses like last week are just going to yeah. make it tougher and tougher for that administration to hold on to them. And, it, then, and then go ahead and lose to Ohio State again. And it's, Well, that's going to happen. Yeah. That's going to happen. And you know what? And, and they, they'll talk about we're, we're sick of losing Ohio State. There's a difference between, you know, in my mind, I think there's a different way to evaluate Ohio State's on a different level, and they're mm-hmm. they're the they're the Alabama of that league. And you know we've seen Auburn knock off Alabama. We saw LSU in a magical year do it, but you know Ohio State. We saw Ohio State a couple of years ago lose to well Purdue in the year before to Iowa. But for the most part, Ohio State's here, and the rest of the league's here. And you know Michigan is just competing with the rest of the teams at the top of whoever second. And you know, second, third, fourth, or fifth, wherever they rank, but they're far away from Ohio State. I think it's a whole different kettle of fish when you start losing to a first-year Michigan State team. They this is not Mark D'Antonio when he was out coaching you. This was a disaster. And to me, it's not that they're losing, but that they're not getting better, that they're not evolving on offense, and that it it stems from Jim. Um, it, 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 it stems from, you know, and I know that Josh Gaddis, at least stylistically wants to do things offensively that they've not been able to get done. Um, I, I, my sense is in feeling is that maybe that Jim has been involved in it. So I look, I, I got, I'll say this, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know that they're going to do anything, but this is just, it's not working at all. There's no signs that it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Scott, at least when they were taking – if you look at it, for the most part, Jim's been able to beat most of the teams. I thought the days of losing to Michigan State, getting out coach and not prepared to Michigan State, that were over because that's not a talented team and that's not a well-coached team in mm-hmm. Michigan State. 
and they hammered them. So that that's gonna that's gonna get uglier and uglier in Ann Arbor, and the fan base is absolutely up in arms and think that they're you know they've had enough. But uh, unless that administration has changed, they have backed him yeah. up so much it is not even funny. And let's we're talking about a guy that's making as much money as anybody. Mm-hmm. They were talking Ward Manuel, who I know very well. I recruited him. Ward went to school at Michigan. He's from New Orleans. They were thinking, and, and Ward hadn't, you know, he comes over from Buffalo. He's, he, uh, I'm Connecticut. I'm sorry. Um, he was thinking not long ago about lifetime contract for Jim. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's just a really, it's a messed up situation that um, I don't know. But would the Buckeye Luke Fickle go to Michigan? Hmm. Well, that would be interesting. That would be real interesting. Luke, Luke is is definitely on a short list, uh, you know, a short list candidate on, on a short list for a lot of big time programs. No question. Turned down Michigan State, by the way, last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that, that was smart. Uh, let's transition to the NFL, Chris. Um, an exciting week. Some games were really fun. Some games were uh, a little depressing to watch. <laughs> if you're looking at that Sunday night game, oh man, uh, that I was just you know I'm sorry that everybody had to be subject to that. Uh, but it was two a time in Miami as the Dolphins, thanks to some you know solid defensive play, defeated the Rams 28 to 17. I want to get to our play of the week by celebrating, Chris. The first career touchdown pass for one Tua Tungavailoa. So take us through the first touchdown pass of uh, the bright young career for Tua here at the goal. Well, it, it's a familiar look here. It's uh, obviously in the shotgun, which he's had a lot of success with. And with his height, it gets him a little depth and allows him to be able to see coverages a little better. It's Obviously, a deep red zone look. As we watch a snap here, it's a two-by-one set. They motion in here a little bit. Gives a little bit more um, an opportunity to create some space here as you're trying to move the defense over. And you get a nice little move here as you create a little bit of space and get them out in the flat. Really accurate pass. The ball comes out on time. Uh, really good, really good throw there. So, um, impressive, you know, it wasn't the, the best thing that impressed me about Tua is that he didn't get rattled and he didn't get frustrated in this game because he didn't play all that well initially, but just take a pretty good play design here. You get the movement in here. Obviously you get the clear out in front where you get a little bit of an inside release where you cross the face. So at this point, there is no way for that route to be jumped because obviously you're designing um, with the outside release by moving him in. Uh, this creates a really good opportunity. One more time, take a look here. As you see the motion in, you get the good inside angle, inside release, where there's absolutely you can throw it underneath and let him get basically throw it open to where you've got to go through the receiver to defend the football, and it was – just a really good throw there, really good play design, give a lot of credit. But the big thing is I saw him get sacked, saw him mm-hmm. get hit, uh, saw him struggle. He never got rattled. 
He made enough plays. The biggest thing was how the team responded. Yeah. This team has played hard. It was like there's a a little more juice, a little bit more energy, a couple of big-time plays on defense. And, Scott, I'm going to tell you something. I'll say it here, and I made a note looking at the film, and, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I I think we need to take a look at things, and let's talk about maybe a two-team race in the AFC East. The Dolphins have a chance in this division. Unless the Bills get healthy, start to play better, they are not a lock to win this division. I know the Bills are better than the Patriots. The Patriots look like they're virtually done. Yep. But, you know, I don't would not, I still would say the Bills are the favorite, but the fact that the Dolphins are in it, that's why they made the move. That and the fact they want to see Tua, because you know what, if for some reason it doesn't work out or he has a major injury, they can go into this offseason trying to figure out still, all right, what are the options that we need to have? But mm-hmm. so they need to see this guy play. And I think that they obviously have worked it behind the scenes to where he's comfortable. They're healthy. He's healthy. They're they're comfortable with his health. And he's got enough reps to where he's got command of the team. And I, you could see that, you know, th- there's a lot of confidence. And, and the fact that they, you know, they had a quarterback that was successful in Ryan Fitzpatrick, they believed in, they knew that the ceiling was at a different level. Now, you almost got the feeling like we've got some room to sprout now as a team. And I don't know how this is going to play out, but I thought it was a good team performance that played well around the quarterback. And I believe he's going to have the opportunity to kind of lead this team. The Dolphins are going to be in this race. I, I am convinced of it. They can stay in this race. And with the way the Bills are playing, which is is hasn't looked all that impressive, I wouldn't count out the Dolphins in this division. I really wouldn't. Wow. And Brian Flores deserves a ton of credit for the building, you know, building a, an attitude there in Miami. He's done a tremendous job kind of taking that New England influence down there to, to South Beach. Um, the other, the big game of the week, obviously, was the Steelers and the Ravens. And I'm trying to find the numbers of, because I, I saw it the other day and it was, it was honestly, it, it was, it was very, Eye-opening. Lamar Jackson's numbers in either playoff games or big-time regular season games in which his team is either an underdog or a very, very small favorite, meaning that it's a close game like it was against the Steelers. They were like a field goal favorite against the Steelers and whatnot. He's been bad, Chris. Yeah. In those games. Because he, listen, when they're favored to blow out a team and they play teams, they blow everyone out. They're fantastic. He is great. He's the MVP. But when they play in these tough, close games, he turns the ball over way too much. When they're behind, he can't throw them back into games. And it's something that I think needs to be evaluated because they're never going to get over the hump if they can't win these football games. Well, and the biggest issue is that they're not a – effective enough passing team with Lamar. And there's, for all the greatness of the talent that he is, the success throwing the football is the due to the fact largely of people having to overplay the run. So what you're seeing is people have to overplay the run because you have to defend him in the run game. And now you've got a basically an extra blocker there. 
Mm-hmm. And so it creates opportunities against most teams that they play that it's a tough, tough matchup. But if you play two types of teams, one like Pittsburgh, where Pittsburgh plays a really good defense, and they had some rushing yards, but Pittsburgh's defense was able to stand up enough and devote enough numbers in the box to force them to have to throw their way to victory, and he couldn't do it. Or if they play a team like Kansas City, which they don't match up well with, because as good a defense as the Ravens have, you get down and a really explosive offense gets a lead. Well, what does it take the Ravens out of? The run game. They Mm -hmm. have to throw it more. In essence, the Ravens, when they have to be pass first or throw it more than they like to, they become, I don't want to say mediocre. They're a good team that can beat a lot of teams. They're not a team that's capable of beating the elite. So it is, you know, it is something they're in a position because to address it, as you say, is difficult because they've got to win a certain way. They've got to play a team that can't defend them and where Lamar can really help win this game with his legs. Because if it's going to be a game that's going to come down to big plays in the passing game, I just don't know that against a lot of defenses, he's going to be able to do that. Against weaker defenses, um, there's a chance they can win a shootout. But their best chance, Scott, is to be able to control the football. And teams that maybe struggle defensively, they can control the ball against them. But, no, I think that's the Achilles heel of them, and that's why I think the Ravens are good. They're not a Super Bowl threat uh, in my mind. I think it's – yeah, look at that. Um, Look at the passing yards per game. Mm -hmm. I was 13 for 28, I believe, in the game. They're just not able to do that. so this is regular season. This is either playoff games or competitive regular season games, which means that he hit the Ravens are an underdog or favored by no more than four points. And this comes from RJ Bell from pregame.com. Uh, 12 games, a 56.3% completion percentage, only 191 passing yards per game, 16 touchdowns to eight interceptions and five lost fumbles. Yeah, that's, no, that's not good. Against good defenses, against where you've got to take, you're out of your comfort zone. He's not effective. There's no question. So, yeah, no, I think it's a real issue with them because they're going to come up against a team like that. Now, depending on who they play in the playoffs, they could win a game. It it, it could be a game they could win. Um, I mean, they could beat a Buffalo. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they could beat somebody, but, but Pittsburgh's going to be tough. Um, Kansas City's proven not to be really, really effective at all. Um, you know, Tennessee's maybe so much. Right, look, I mean, it's not like that's the thing. It's like they're not five teams in the conference that that, that would beat them, you know? Yeah. But it's the one or two. So they're going to need a lot of help. Like, you know, somebody's going to have to knock out their kryptonite, so to speak, so that they can get in. I, I just don't, I don't like them for that reason. And it's because of the style of play. They're very one-dimensional. And that a dimension is – they can't be a pass-first team. We always talk about how effective can you be in the two-minute offense and the four-minute offense. The two-minute offense, meaning it will throw it 
against really good pad defenses. They don't grade out very well on my grade sheet. I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, let me lament as a New York fan for a minute here. Um, Sam Darnold, whatever. Daniel Jones, whatever. The turnovers. Decent effort by the Giants last night, Monday Night Football. But Daniel Jones continues to throw the ball to the other team. Even the passes that go incomplete, it seems like there's an opportunity to be intercepted there. Uh, you want to talk about the would-be pass interference call on the two-point conversion last night? Daniel Jones, if he releases that ball, 10 seconds earlier, and I say 10, it's an over-exaggeration, but he's got a wide-open Deion Lewis for the two-point conversion. Mm -hmm. He releases that ball on time. Instead, he pumps and then throws it into the defender's arm. Uh, both Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold were expected to be the franchise quarterbacks for these teams. I get it. Both teams, talent-wise, are not good. But if you look around the league, the Bengals don't exactly have a ton of talent, and Joe Burrow is playing great football. The Chargers. They got some talent, but not talent that's going to blow you away. They got a great receiver in Keenan Allen. You know, when Austin Eckler's healthy, he's great. Hunter Henry, you know, better than anybody on the Jets or the Giants right now. But Justin Herbert is phenomenal, or at least he's playing that way. My just my 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 whole thing is that you look around the league at these other young quarterbacks that are getting the job done. You don't see that from either Sam Darnold or Daniel Jones. And, and it's disturbing. I think it's fair, and I think it's why if they're in a position as frustrating as it may be for – well, I mean, I don't know. Some may consider it frustrating in that obviously both the, those quarterbacks are taken very high as their quarterbacks of the future. I don't think there's any doubt that a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields um, – would absolutely be somebody that either one of those teams would consider taking if they're in a position to do so. Uh, I think those would be upgrades. I also, though, think that all right. Let's let's look at Cincinnati. And and you're right. Offensive lines are not very good. Burrow is a very advanced quarterback from a cerebral standpoint. And I think they've done a good job with them, and I think they're well coached. I I, I don't think. You know, the Jets situation is bad. I mean, there's just no real answers. The I mean, Jets are, the Jets know. numbers wise, Chris, you might be looking at the worst team since that Bucks team of the 70s, right? I mean, this is a team that is historically bad right now. They, you know, they, you look back at the Owen, you look back at the, I believe it was the one in 15 year, right? Rich Kotite before Parcells came in and they were Owen seven or Owen eight, same thing, same time. They actually scored more and gave up less than they do than they're doing this year. Yeah, I mean, I think with the Jets, there's gonna have to be a complete house cleaning. And and you know, obviously, I mean, I'm not. They are like, already. They're trading everybody off. Well, you know, I'm talking about you yeah, know, yeah, front you know head coach, and I don't know. I don't know. They're gonna have a decision, and my sense is Joe might. He's allowed to to do all of what he's doing, and so I'm going to be a guess that he's going to Joe Douglas yeah, would be there. I now, be what I would do, them bringing in, a, uh, I wouldn't be objective to them bringing in somebody that not over, maybe overseas, maybe like a president of football operations or somebody that can work with Joe Douglas that kind of can build a build something here. Well, I think I think though, I guess my point is is they're allowing him to make these moves. Uh huh. So it tells me that that he'll be back yeah. now. They need they need a lot more talent, and they need to be better coached, and it, it, they need to be better organized. You know, 
when you're bad, as abysmally bad as the Jets are, it's not just one thing. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not talented. And that's my concern about getting rid of all the talent. Is yeah, I get it. All the talent's playing poorly, but not all the talent is bad. It's poorly coached. And I, you know, I I think now what they're doing is they're gonna make this all about well, you're not gonna be able to get, you're not gonna be able to replenish all the talent, you know, for at least two or three years now. And you better be much better coach. I think the, the there's a lot of concern there. Now, I still would consider, well, I, I, I would take a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields. And I'm not worried about, you know, Sam Dono. I can move him. I can trade. I, you know, I, I want to get a quarterback, but man, they're, they're going to need to be really good really quickly. And they're going to need to hit on some guys and they're going to have to be really prudent with some of their moves. But to me, it's less about, you know, the players, but then how they've acquired the players, how they've coached the players. You know, the Giants at least on film have shown some signs. And even last night you mentioned it, that they might be a little closer. They've also mm-hmm. made a hire of a head coach yeah, one year, and um, but they've still got a lot of holes. But I see some positives, not – not a whole lot to sit here and say, oh, yeah, look, boy, it's close. Look out next year. But I see some signs. With the Jets, the only signs I see is that they've got to figure out where they want to go. But, no, it is absolutely not. I think the Chargers have some talent. Well, I, I think that's a job that I, I like Anthony Lynn personally. But, man, that team is not well coached. And they have no. just – they really – that is a plum job. because I, I was about to say, let me tell you something. There's a lot of coaches out there that would love to get their hands on Justin Herbert in that offense. And they've got some talent on defense. Mm-hmm. They've got some things to work. I think they're actually better, and I think that's helped j- j- talent-wise. I just don't think they're very well coached. So I, I, I think that's an issue. But, um, you know, Cincinnati's, you know, probably got a you know, few more players on defense, but you're right. And, and look. Um, they've, you know, Joe Burrow's fought. He's played well. No, you're absolutely right. And I think that uh, that says something for Joe Burrow's maturity. And I think mm-hmm. Sam Donald's growth and development hasn't been as good. I, I think that Joe Burrow's development, you know, going into the league was pretty good. And I think they've done a really good job. I think Zach's done a good job with him. I, I think let's not minimize the coaching. And the fact that I don't think Sam Donald was as polished and needed. I mean, I, I would have liked to have seen a guy like Sam Donald get some coaching with a guy like a Joe Brady or, you know, somebody that's a really good quarterback teacher, which, by the way, Adam Gase has always had that reputation. It's really not mm, yeah. true. He yep. was quarterback coach for Peyton Manning, you know, and and he hasn't really coached very well. So, I, you know, I don't give up on Sam Donald, but it may be best for him and for the Jets, if the Jets can go in the different direction. But that's just a start of it. They've got to fix that position along with many, many others in New York. Here's a, uh, a another interesting nugget, uh, speaking of quarterbacks, as Warren Sharp from Sharp Football uh, detailed this, that the Jaguars, every single year of their existence since 2008, have had a top 10 overall draft pick. Every say that, year. Say that again. Every single year. The Jaguars, I'm sorry, every single year since 2008, 
So since 2008, not in their, since their history, since mm-hmm. the year 2008, every single year except for one, they have had a top 10 overall pick. So that means 28, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 2020, with the exception of one of those years, they've had a top 10 overall pick. And this is the list of their starting quarterbacks. Jake Lutton, who will start this week, Gardner Minshew, Nick Foles, Cody Kessler, Blake Bortles, Chad Henney, Blaine Gabbert, Luke McCown, Trent Edwards, Todd Bauman, and David Garrard. Garrard. How do you have a top 10 pick in all of those years? 11 of 12 years, you have a top 10 pick, and those are the quarterbacks that you are rolling out there onto the field. That is an embarrassment from a far yeah, perspective. It, it is, and you know, obviously they said we'll go out and pay some money to Nick Foles. It didn't work. Uh, but we really, really like what we saw Gardner Minshew and, and kind of build on that. Now, Jake Luton did a really good job at, um, at, at Oregon state, not the answer. So yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's what, it's one of the reasons why you're, t- and there are different reasons why. Now, let me say this, go back and look the exact numbers. So that's an example of, if you don't have a quarterback, you're in trouble, but you can go and say a team like Detroit that's picking high every year that mm-hmm. has a talented quarterback yeah, in Matthew Stafford that doesn't play like a good quarterback most of the time. And so you can, you can screw up a good quarterback and you can, you know, yeah. So it's, this is a bad situation. There's no question, but you know what they've taken, they did take Blaine Gabbert. He was quote unquote, the answer. Yeah. Except he wasn't. Same thing with Blake Bortles. So, uh, uh, um, Bortles, Bortles yeah. you know, was just – that was a guy – you know, their example uh, evaluated a guy a little bit uh, overvalued because of the position and not well coached. Mm-hmm. And, again, you know, they kind of minimized the position in the – you know, two, three years ago when they were all the way in the AFC championship game and were relied on the defense in the run game. And let's throw in, they took, you know, Hey, we're going to be defense run the football. Let's take Leonard Fournette very high. I mean, you know, so it's not just who they didn't have, but who they decided to take. So no, it's an absolute problem. And that's, that's, that's why they're picking high and bad teams that make bad decisions consistently pick very high, which is why the whole, well, let's, let's tank so we can pick high. Yeah. So what? So you, you know, if the whole key is not how high you pick, it's how well you evaluate your team personnel around the league and evaluate properly in the draft. Give me a later pick every year with people that know how to evaluate. I'm going to have a better team. I mean, that's of course. just, you know, you find the quarterback and you find the, the people around the quarterback. That's the key. I think it's just, uh, and and it, it's more, uh, more evident than ever as by what we've seen in the past couple of weeks in the NFL quarterback is the most important position. And if you don't have one, you're not going anywhere. You know, the Cowboys thought they had the best backup situation in the league with Andy Dalton, and they wind up having to start, you know, Ben DiNucci. 
on a, uh, a primetime game on Sunday Night Football, and they have no chance in, in that game. Uh, quarterback is just so, so important. And, and you know, hey, that's going to be our topic here as we lead into our Week 9 preview, and it's going to be Nick Mullins again for the 49ers. Thursday Night Football, boy, uh, just when you think the Niners are getting healthy, now Garoppolo's down again. George Kittle done for an extended period of time, and the 49ers, they take one step forward, and then take, they take five steps backwards. Uh, they're at home. But they're facing the Packers, who are coming off a loss, which means the Packers will most likely play better than what they did on Sunday, uh, Thursday Night Football. What's your what's your take on Packers Niners? Well, you know the Packers need to re- respond, and defensively, the question marks we had about them defending the run that I had about defending the run. My God, what was that against Minnesota? I mean, the second level blocks. San Francisco is trying to run the football on them. Aaron Rodgers will take over this game and obviously kind of cure whatever ills them because, you know, I think that that Kyle's done a good job, as good as you can with Nick Mullins, but you're right, not the quarterback, just not a whole lot there. Yep, we move on to Sunday, the Broncos and the Falcons. Um, You know, <laughs> I just had a feeling that Denver would play the Chargers well last week. I didn't <laughs> think they'd beat them. Uh, man, it's Falcons and Denver, you know, Denver is a team that, that plays hard. I just, Atlanta, I mean, rise up and, you know, do something. What, what an embarrassment they are. They're, they're, they're look for stretches. Like they can be a little bit better at home. You got to find a way to win a game here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Denver's playing with a little confidence, but they're, they're definitely a different team on the road. All right, we go to the Seahawks and the Bills, what is unexpectedly one of the top games of the week. Yeah, you know, the Seattle team is very good offensively. We know their problems on defense. Buffalo needs to, you know, they need to get right defensively. I know it's about health, but the, uh, this Seattle team's better. Let's go to the Bears and the Titans. Tennessee coming off that loss to the Bengals. Yeah, and Chicago with the loss to the Saints. Um Look, this defense can play. Losing two in a row would be very difficult. Tennessee at home, um, you know, they come, as you mentioned, off of a bad performance. Boy, one of these teams that are both headed to the playoffs um, are going to lose two in a row. And uh, so this is, I would say Tennessee at home give a little bit of an edge here. The Ravens have to pick themselves up off the schneid. They take on the Colts and Indy. Yeah, you know, the Scots team plays well in stretches, but, you know, not consistently enough. I think Baltimore on the road, this is maybe an opportunity to get right, and this is maybe a, a game in which the matchup's a little bit more favorable for them. Uh, we'll see how they handle things. The Panthers look to slow down the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you know, good luck with that. I mean, it's it's difficult, and certainly playing from behind and having to quicken the pace with the, the past game with the, with Bridgewater, and I think the Chiefs defense would get after him a little bit. Obviously, Kansas City's on a different level. you got to catch him on a bad day. You know, I like what Carolina's doing, uh, but starting to sink in a little bit, starting to seep in when they when they hit, um, you know, some really good teams, you, you see that separation. Lions at the Vikings. Boy, if Dalvin Cook runs like that, the Vikings won't ever lose a game. Absolutely. You know, and I thought they really blocked the Green Bay's front. This Detroit team is not consistent enough on on um, uh, on defense. You know, this Detroit team usually starts games pretty well. I don't trust Minnesota necessarily to do it two games in a row, but I'm going to give them a shot here at home to maybe say, hey, look, we're 
we're kind of building, playing for pride, and let's get two in a row after the big win against Green Bay. The Giants' only win this year came against Washington. They'll look for to do it again on Sunday. Yeah, see if we get a sweep, huh? How about that? <laughs> I mean, uh, again, there's some positives that you have a little bit with the Giants. Uh, you wonder a little bit of the confidence level, where they go here on the road. You know, I mean, you look at you look at Washington, man. You, you get get a win here, and you <laughs> you're three and five, and you see how they're right in. And I'm gonna say Washington maybe finds a way here, but uh, I, this is a game the Giants should find a way to win. But they, I, I just don't trust them here. They should have honestly won the first game if Ron yeah. Rivera doesn't go for two there. They go into overtime. The Washington wins that football game, so absolutely. Uh, and the Giants are sitting there winless, uh, trying to win the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes against the Jets. Uh, the Texans and the Jaguars, as they mentioned, Jake Lutton, uh, uh, Jake Lutton is going to be starting at quarterback for the Jacks. Yeah, you know, this uh, you, neither one of these teams, both of these teams have been disappointments. Expected more with Jacksonville. think Houston finds a way to get it done here, but um, boy, these, uh, this is going to be interesting. Obviously, clearly the South is about Indy and it's about Tennessee. Um, these two teams are non-factors here. Jacksonville's got a chance at home, but I'm I'm going to go with Houston getting it done here. Sean Watson makes a few too many plays for him. This is going to be a fun game, the Raiders and the Chargers. Yeah, you know, look, I, I just disappointed. I think the Chargers are a really underachieving team. You think maybe they respond and find a way to say, hey, um, you know, I, I'm thinking that, you know, that they respond – maybe play better here, win at home. It's my guess. I just I just think there's more to this Charger team, uh, but I just don't trust them here. The the, the Raiders, Raiders are, uh, you know, uh, to me, very capable going on the road. I, I'm just going to say the Chargers find a way to get it done. I think when both play their best, the Chargers are a little bit better. You know, it's uh, fun is like um... – or not fun. It's good for the Chargers, if you will, that they, there is no fans in that stadium because this would have probably sounded like a home game for the Raiders. Probably would have, no question about it. I think that um, having this game um, where there's not and, – and, you know, I know that the, the old soccer stadium in Carson was a nice little quaint uh -huh. for the Chargers, but I'm curious to see when it gets back to normalcy. Please, God, at some point, let's let it happen. I'm wondering what – what type of fan base it's going to be, which is, by the way, I think that they're going to have to make some changes there because I do think that they're going to be the team that uh, I, I think their, their chances of having a good future with the quarterback is good. But you're right. I think it would have been a heavy Raver, Raider uh, favorite in terms of fan base. But yep. it's going to be interesting here. The Steelers and the Cowboys. Uh, and, and we don't know. It's, <laughs> it's going to be – I guess it's going to be Ben DiNucci again. For uh, for for the Cowboys, yeah, I don't. It just doesn't look good for Andy Dalton here. Pittsburgh's playing very very well, mm -hmm. very solid football team. Got you know very very sound. I mean, they've got they're really good defensively. You know, they're running the football pretty well, getting good play up front. They've got weapons. Keep Big Ben healthy and upright. Uh, absolutely, um, a solid all around team and. Uh, it's looking more and more like, you know, Pittsburgh and, you know, Kansas City are the, yeah. the two teams that, that just, you know, clearly at this point mm -hmm. are, are separating themselves from everybody else in the AFC. The Dolphins and the Cardinals. This should be a fun matchup. Two young quarterbacks. 
absolutely. You know, the Cardinals are the more explosive team, the better team here at home. They should be able to win it, but they've had a couple of games that are stinkers. Maybe they've settled, matured a little bit. Uh, I think they get it done, but I'm curious to see what Miami will do here on the road uh, to his first road, you know, uh, uh, chance here to be able to go on the road out West and the long way, see what he can do here. I'm very excited to see, um, to see this team here. And we got Sunday night as a great one. The Saints and the Cardinals as both Tom Brady and Drew Brees go back and forth with the all-time touchdown pass lead. Yeah, you know, I tell you, um, Tampa survived, didn't play very well. The Saints, you know, managed to gut one out in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I mean, they're right there. Saints won the first game of the year. You know, this this basically gives the Saints a big upper hand if they're able to win this one on the road here. I The Bucks look better on film until last night. And I'm not through the tape, but I watched it enough to know that, you know, you'll wonder a little bit, you know, where their head was. It weren't real sharp, but... Yeah, I think this is the game of the weekend. It certainly kind of sets up for whoever's – this is a two-team race. Probably both these teams make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is this is likely, you know, going to give you the upper hand in the division, particularly the Saints, if they're able to win this because, in essence, it would be like a two-game lead. And uh, finally, finally, Chris, I'm calling it now, Monday <laughs> Night Football, the Jets will get their first win beating – Cam Newton and the Patriots. Hey, it would not surprise me at all. I got to tell you this. I mean, the Patriots don't have anything going for them right now. Cam is struggling big time. Mm -hmm. I absolutely think the Jets have a really good shot. I really do here. Um, The play motivated, I think. Um, And, you know, right now the Patriots, they can only run the football, um, play good defense but that only lasts so long uh, without enough of the passing game. They don't have playmakers. Cam's really struggling. No, this is, this is not a, well, well look, New England's going to make a run. I, I don't see that at all. This is, this is definitely a danger game. It would be an embarrassing loss for New England, but I think it's definitely um, a possibility. So what can fans find on LandryFootball.com as uh, we get through the election and we prepare for this week of football? Well, uh, obviously finishing all the film room breakdowns from this past week, the NFL breakdowns, the college breakdowns, and obviously as we transition, as we always do on Wednesdays, begin the previews of this week's games, the inside the film room analysis, the game previews, the, how the players have graded out this thus far in the season where the, some of the key games within the game, the matchups will be. That's what we got for you there. So we're really excited about that. Obviously, you can catch uh, all the podcasts here and um, all the inside information. And, of course, we want to thank all the great folks. And we see uh, Don, our, our good buddy, Don Collins, involved. But everybody, we love you coming in, involved um, in the chat room on Twitch. Make sure that uh, all of you, Spartan Martin, Jig's dad, thank you for cheering 100 bucks. Remember, to join us, cheer us on some bits, you know, uh, that that's a great way to kind of let us know that you're involved. You like what we're doing, uh, but sign up. Uh, it's very easy. Just go there, sign up. We'll get a, a message notification when we go live. And it's a great way to keep up with all the programming on the Chris Landry football Twitch channel. So keep it up. We appreciate it to hit uh, some questions there and, uh, we'll, um, you know, we're, we're obviously we'll get to all of them as best as we can. And obviously we'll get to all the, the details on all the different platforms that shows up on the channel. 
Yes, uh, and uh, normally we will be on 7 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday nights, but because of the election, we wanted to come on a little earlier. Um, if you're able to watch us uh, on tape, that's fine. Go to the Twitch channel, click on the videos, you can watch us. Or if you want to listen to us in podcast format, just subscribe to Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts from, and you get those directly to your mobile device. Uh, before we get out of here, um, Will Fuller of the Texans, uh, it appears that there was a trade talk with the Texans and the Pack but that fell through so will fuller will not be traded uh he is staying in houston the dolphins did trade for chiefs backup running back deandre washington in exchange for some draft pick compensation so miami gets a little running back depth there um, yeah it's been a while since miami's been a player of trying to yeah. acquire some players they're normally trying to dump players off so that's uh they're um they're they're buyers now Yes, and the other bit of news is that the Cowboys, uh, we mentioned Ben DiNucci, they are contemplating activating Cooper Rush and maybe turning to Cooper Rush uh, on Why Sunday not? as their quarterback. Why not? He's got some experience in the system. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's get a run at it. Uh, let's <laughs> see what they can do. There's no question. Look, look, that team has to step up, and they've got to find a way to play a little bit better. Where is that defense? Where is the heart on that defense? They're not playing very hard. They're not playing very smart football. Um, got to run. Zeke's got to take over. I mean, you got to do a lot of things. That's that's a very tough situation yeah. there, no doubt. Well, thanks for watching, everyone. Uh, go out and vote. Uh, Absolutely. Stay safe. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the football this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week right here on the Football Film Room, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. Talk to you then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus